Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in. Take command. I'm Craig. That's Logan. You heard what we did. You heard why we're here. I used to cover the team. He used to play for the team 10 years in the NFL at tight end for Mr. Logan Paulson. Uh, So here's what we got on the show today. Logan, spring's over. The the spring mandatory voluntaries all of the mini camps the otas they're done next stop training camp it's the scariest time of year for coaches you just hope that nothing happens between now and july 26th (laughs) when training camp opens for the commanders but we will have a full review on today's show offensive and defensive mvps how did each side of the ball finish up and then there's some burning questions starting to emerge and it's kind of interesting logan because we started this podcast basically at the start of the spring program, at least the on-field yep. portion, phase two of OTAs. And we went in with these really distinct questions about middle linebacker and, and some of these other positions. And we come out, I think, with some very different questions. Some of those questions answered, but some just feel more burning than when they went in. So we'll get into kind of what our questions is, are as we move through the summer. And, and obviously, we will continue to do the show and, and get some answers as we get into August and training camp. So... Uh, let's let's just go ahead and dive right in, man. Let's let's start yeah. with the offensive side of the ball. Offense looked really good these first couple of weeks, and the last couple of days, uh, I know from talking to you a little bit and, and seeing some of the tweets and everything out there, that the defense has picked it up. <clears throat> How much of that is the defense picking it up versus some things starting to emerge on the offensive side of the ball? Look, no one's going to be great every day, but for right. instance, Carson Wentz, like didn't have his best week during this mandatory session. So let's start there yeah. with Wentz. What changed for him this week versus the past couple of weeks where he was so impressive? Well, I think a lot of credit has to go to the defense, to be quite honest. I think when you watch them, I think they just were playing with a better energy, you know. And then, you know, Deron Payne's back and then seeing him out on the field and the energy that he brought, especially in team run periods and creating pressure, I think it, it, it kind of flummoxed Carson a little bit. I think it was a little bit that the temperature was turned up. That They were blitzing a lot. They I know, like... Um, the offense was working a lot in empty or kind of lighter sets from a pass protection standpoint, like and move the ball. And the defense was heating them up a little bit and they were getting free runners. And Carson, you could tell, was a little bit off off about that. You know what I mean? So like there were times, even in red zone period, which they're not pressuring as much or whatever, where he feels a pressure that isn't there. It's picked up and he steps out of the pocket and it's going to be a sack because he's stepping into pressure, which is something that you saw kind of stress Carson last year in Indianapolis do quite a bit. So again, like I think the the credit needs to go to the defense. Obviously Montez Sweat had an outstanding day. Payne, 
Allen looked apart. You know, they just were, were great. And then Jack Del Rio deserves a lot of credit for kind of the pressures he was able to cultivate and how he was able to stress some of the, the protection philosophy of the empty personnel grouping, right? So again, <clears throat> interesting, you know, we talked about how well the offense looked, and I think that's directly correlated to Carson Wentz. Like over the first nine practices, I can count on one hand how many bad throws he had. And over the last two days, he's probably got seven. You know what I mean? So he went from five over nine practices to seven, eight, maybe 10 in a, in a two-day practice period, right? So again, the defense has ticked it up a little bit. You know, William Jackson III made some nice coverage plays. Seems, you know, we talked about kind of his, um, some of his alignment issues earlier on in the show. He seemed to got that correct a little bit, looked a little bit more confident, looked a little bit more comfortable. And again, the pressure marrying with the coverage, you see why that relationship is so important because all of a sudden, you know, Jahan can't run that extra little stutter because Carson Wentz is getting pressure, has to move, the the coverage can accommodate this now. The timing was much better. So yeah, like props to the defense, man. I think they did an outstanding job. And again, I also think another piece that needs to be noted in terms of this defensive evolution, we talked about the D-line, we talked about William Jackson, but I think Benjamin St. Juice as the nickel allows for much better safety play because you get your one of your best players under defense, Cam Curl, and Bobby McCain, who's an excellent role player at the free, kind of in their natural positions. And Benjamin St. Juice in the slot has been really, really done a nice job. So again, like that group all of a sudden starts to galvanize and they start to play with a little more confidence. They came out with great energy and the offense just didn't seem like they were matching the intensity. And, and you know, from covering the team, there are days like that where the defense comes out for sure, ready to go and the offense isn't quite there. Yeah. And so here's another question. Things I know, things I learned on my time is like some of this stuff can be designed too, right? Like it's Ron Rivera's job to decide who wins the day on on some level. And he can on some level, again, determine who it is before they ever go out there based off formation, based off personnel, because you want to work on stuff. That's the whole point. You know, if the offense wins a day or the defense loses a day, you're still zero and zero to start the season. Like it's June. And so I am curious as you look at the things that Carson struggled with how much of that are things that maybe are new to him in the offense is it stuff that he struggled with in the past and maybe they front-loaded some of the stuff where he's really successful to get his Mm. confidence up and get him going earlier in camp like how much of what and and I don't think you have the practice plan like you have the ability to watch everything back afterwards and you can ask questions and all that kind of stuff but like you're it's not like you go in knowing the script you're not in the meeting so even if you had the script you wouldn't exactly know what it meant but like how much, based off what you're able to tell and some of the things that you know from watching Carson in the past and watching this defense and some of the other guys in the past, how much of this is by design and how much of this is just, no, like the defense came out and kicked ass and like John Allen gets to go back and be really excited about how his unit performed on that given day. Yeah, so I, I agree. You know, obviously there are certain times where you work in certain situations, like you work in empty pressures, like that tends to favor the defense, right? And the offense needs to account for that. And I will say, like when I watched practice, I just felt like I just felt like the defense had had a little bit of upper hand. I felt like Jack was calling great stuff. I felt like the guys were executing great stuff, and there was a maturation. Like I think about a play that Jamin had yesterday, where there's like uh, it's a it's a tight formation. There's a running back and a receiver to the defensive left, and earlier in camp he got picked on a he got screened by the receiver and the back runs to the flat and it's a first down. 
today, you know, that's where they're trying to go with the football, and Jamin plays that perfectly, right? So obviously the defense is maturing. I think Jack just called an excellent practice, especially in the move the ball periods in terms of creating pressure and, and you know, putting the screws on the offense a little bit because, like, there were times where, you know, it's obviously a pressure situation. You just got to kind of do your count. They've got three receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. There's four guys over here. They're in man-to-man coverage. There's two guys over here. There's the, the post safeties in the middle. So obviously the extra guy's there. And for whatever reason, the slide's going the wrong way. You know, it's going to the left where the, obviously the extra rusher's not coming from. So I think just that kind of stuff. And again, it's good that these problems are happening now because it gives them time to adjust and say, you know, wait, maybe our empty protection plan can change a little bit. Maybe we can give Mars, uh, you know, <clears throat> Carson, excuse me, a little bit more control in these situations and get the mic point over here. And, you know, maybe we can check the play to a, to a man beater that gets out of his hand a little bit quicker if we see the pressure, right? Because there was a lot of times where he's got the ball and he's ready to throw, but the concept doesn't have like a hot throw or doesn't have like a quick option, you know? And there's sometimes where the concept allows for that. And usually you don't have to change the production, but this concept didn't. And then also he didn't change the protection. So again, those are things that you want to see get worked out now. And, you know, again, another thing that's important to note is like Charles Leno's out, Cornelius Lucas is out. I think they were both sick, right? And so obviously in terms of protection, those guys are a big part of that. And, um, you know, like, so again, most of the issues were on the other side, not because of um, because people were missing blocks. They, the, in fact, the two guys on that side did a great job. Turner and Cosby did a great job, but they just did a good job with overloads, the defense. And again, I, that's what you want from your coordinators. You want them to stress each other out so that the stressful time is now. And then when they get to season, they've had, they've been able to brainstorm and solve some of these problems like you alluded to. Yeah. And so the other question I have, and I, this is where like you bouncing around a little bit in your career is really helpful yeah. is like Carson's a veteran player, right? Mm-hmm. Carson has had multiple coaches. I mean, so, I mean, even when he bounced, he had some of the same coaching, but I'm sure his position coaches were different. He's been exposed to some different coaching over the years in Philadelphia and then in Indianapolis, but he's a veteran and it is, I don't want to say like he can't grow and he can't get better, mm. but like he's got things that he's probably set on and there's not going to be major improvement even if there's marginal improvement like that's good that's what you want but there's not going to be some aha moment where Carson Wentz becomes a different player than he has been because he's 30 or almost 30 years old and that's just that's just life and so when you say he's struggling with some of the things that have stressed him in the past I'm like okay well that's (laughs) you know that that's hopefully something that can at least get cleaned up a little bit so he struggles less you know you want your coach to be able to give answers to your quarterback and some of that is always going to be scheme adjacent all these kinds of different things but with that like point being made and and that big giant preamble the question is like how much can they Mm. tweak what Carson is to maybe help him out where there are just weaknesses in his game just like basically any other player that's not a super, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame type guy. You know, Rodgers doesn't have a lot of holes. Brady doesn't have a lot of holes. Right. Um, but like, if you're Carson Wentz, you can still be really effective and have holes in your game. And part of a coach's job is to manage those weak points. What can they do to help him out to get better and better production slash the best version of him as consistently as possible? Craig, I absolutely freaking love that question. And so what I'm going to say is that there's two parts story here. So I was talking to Wes Phillips, who's now the OC for the Minnesota Vikings. And he came here in 2012, 13. He came was his first year here, or 14. And he came with like Jason Hatcher and everybody came. He was two years after them. And I remember him saying like, hearing the defensive coaches when Jason Hatcher got here say, 
oh, wow, if we only get him to play a little bit lower, man, he's going to be a pro bowler, Hall of Fame type guy. And then when Wes came, and they were still saying that same thing, they were using that same language around Hatcher, Wes was like, you know, they said that for seven consecutive years when he was in Dallas. Like, sometimes you are who you are, and you just got to mm-hmm. kind of live with it. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Like, you know, old dogs have a hard time learning new tricks, and it's not necessarily like your neuroplasticity is different, your kinesthetic awareness is different, it's harder to learn new stuff, and sometimes you're just built in a certain way. So with regards to Carson, I think there is some of that going on, right? He has had these issues. It's a little bit of hubris for the coach to think you can correct those issues. But I think some of the things that you can do as a coach is put him in good situations to avoid the things that stress him out. And so what I mean by that, right, is we talked about how handling pressure kind of leads to him trying to extend these plays, playing a little bit of hero ball, and that stuff is all negative. Like, at least in recent history for him, has been bad. It's not been like where he's excelled, right? So if I'm... If I'm Scott Turner, my one objective is to make sure that this man is protected kind of at all costs, right? I want the protection plan to be dialed in 1,000% so that we do not have free runners to the quarterback. We have good matchups in terms of the offensive line. If i got to leave guys in the chip, if I've got to leave backs in to protect, tight ends, max protections, all these different things, I am going to really delve into that this offseason to make sure he feels comfortable because you look at early on in training camp one of the things they did is there was a lot of play action pass kind of a lot of like um bigger personnel groupings and a little bit of that might be because both the young tight ends have hamstring injuries and their role has been limited Cole Turner's starting to practice more now but you know Hodges who was kind of the third guy isn't been practicing at all so again um you know that might be a cause for some of this offensive philosophy shift but when they were in those personnel groupings when they kind of had those pieces around the quarterback, it does make rushing and blitzing a little bit more challenging, right? If you're always in 11, I know you're always in 11, I can develop a really sick blitz package, a really sick rush plan for the offense, for the defensive line. So if I'm Scott, I'm going to look at personnels. I'm going to look at protection philosophy. I'm going to look at giving Carson Wentz more responsibility. I'm going to look at giving him formational tells. Like that's something when you watch the LA Rams, they do an outstanding job of. They get in these kind of, I don't say unusual formations, but stuff that are very clear defensive um, they, they communicate what the defense is doing at a high level, right? So they'll line up three wide receivers in a very wide split. They'll line up a tight end in a wide split. So the defense can't disguise its coverage. It's got to show you what it's doing. I'm doing that a ton. I'm using motions as pre-snap indicators for man and zone coverages so that he can get really comfortable and identify what's going on and execute what I want him to, right? And so again, that to me, like, you know what he, you know what he struggles with. You know he has a hard time when there's pressure. You know he has a hard time kind of uh, digesting that. Let's do everything we possibly can to insulate him and give him all the tools he needs to be successful. There's still going to be issues with that, no doubt. You know what I mean? Because like we said, he is who he is. But let's see if we can get him out of that situation as much as possible and get him super comfortable because we saw what he's capable of. You know, these first three weeks of OTAs, I mean, that's about as good of an OTA period as I've seen from any quarterback I've ever played with. You know, I played with Matt Ryan and stuff like that, right? So obviously that's a big endorsement. But again, these last two days are the are the warts of Carson Wentz. And if I'm Scott, I'm looking at these very critically and I'm saying, how do we avoid this moving forward? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm so glad you got that year in Atlanta or those couple of years in Atlanta because yeah. if you're like, hey, w- what franchise did you play for as, a, as an offensive player? The Washington and Chicago. Yeah. Not really a great quality. history of quarterback play. Yeah, not great. Not great San Francisco. All due respect too. to all the guys that you played with, of course. Yeah. But I mean, I think the other thing is that it shows you different leadership styles. It shows you different skill sets. Like, you know, working with Jay Cutler was really interesting, you know, like yeah. his, how he approached communicating with guys, Matt. And then honestly, the best guy that I played with, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on right now is Deshaun Watson and just how he approached it, you know, and how different he was. Uh, like, I don't know anything about that other stuff, but on the field, he was a very specific right, right, type right. of way. And, um, and I think that that's always, it's just good to see how people, different people get it done. And, um, and what they do to help those guys, you know, because Matt, not the strongest arm in the world, but they were able to manufacture big plays for him, you know, giving them nice, clean pockets and stuff. So if I'm Scott, I'm really I'm, I'm taking a lot of onus and responsibility of that saying, how do I put this man in the best situation to be successful? And those are some things I'm looking at. And I think it's, it's definitely doable. It's going to take a little bit of work, but it's definitely doable. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately the job of an offensive coordinator and anybody who is involved in scheming up offense is how much can you make it where the quarterback doesn't have a lot to do after the snap other than execute from a physical standpoint, yeah. right? Can Or can you narrow down the mental decision-making to like, I'm going to watch the strong safety. If he goes left, I know that I have this route. Or, you know, if, right. he, if he goes cover one, I have this route. If he goes cover two, I have this route. That kind of decision-making where it becomes very linear as opposed to, oh my God, I have the entire swath of things. And so getting that pre-snap information when the pressure is not on, when the defense is on the other side of the line of scrimmage, there's no one coming after you. No one else is having to execute. All you have to do is process. And so can you give, you know, again, formations, motions, personnel, do all of these things to make sure that your quarterback, and by the way, other positions, because like you had reads as a tight end, your linemen have have reads and and can have, you know, pick up information from from defensive splits, all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously your receivers, you know, are they anticipating man versus zone? And if they know that beforehand, they can really get into their routes and run them, you know, in, in the best way possible versus trying to read. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, am I, you know, am I keeping going? Cause it's zone. Am I sitting down? Cause it's or the other way around. Can I sit yeah. down in a zone, keep going versus man, all those kinds of things. So the, the less processing you have to do, the better athlete you can be. Um, cause you can just athlete, you don't have to think. Yeah. And so I, I love that explanation and especially specific to Carson, um, considering also, his past history and, and what he's, or what he's displayed over the course of these, what, 11, 12 practices this spring. Yeah. And also you made me think of something really interesting. So, um, Curtis Samuels has not been practicing. He's been at practice, but he's been kind of yeah. being withheld. And I think you see the impact of him, you know, in the offense. Right. And I'm, I'm the biggest Cam Sims fan you're ever going to find. But he does not have a good – Carson does not have a good relationship throwing him the football right now. Like Cam will win, but the timing's a little bit off, right? And you see how that affects his confidence. You see that how it affects his, his, his ability to read stuff because he's like, I don't know if I can really let this ball go right now because Cam Sims uh, three days ago fell down on a comeback and it led to an interception. And there's just a little bit of um, lack of trust there now. And so obviously he had a very high level of trust with – Curtis Samuels, he has a very high level of trust with Jahan. And so when you take one of those pieces off and then all of a sudden everyone gets bumped up, you know, Diami's Diami's playing a little bit more, Cam's playing more. But again, those relationships with Diami and Cam aren't as good as they are with Jahan and Curtis. And so if I'm, 
if I'm Terry, I'm having my agent watch this practice being like, hey, man, like look at what this offense can be when there's all these different playmakers and imagine what, it'll, what, what Carson will be when I'm here. Because you do see a little bit of a depreciation in his effectiveness as some of the playmakers are, are taken off the field. And I think that is, you know, it's relevant. It's relevant to this conversation 100%. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll circle back to Curtis in the questions moving forward section of the podcast a little bit later. <laughs> 